Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hello. Shalom. Shalom. And we are studying the Torah portion. Big shocker. This Torah portion this week is called Emor, which is say, and it is found in Leviticus chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 24. Uh, I'm sorry, verses 1 through chapter 24, uh, verse 23. So basically, chapter 21 through uh, the end, uh, or, ch- or verse 23 in chapter 24. And so we are going to begin in chapter 21. Oh, yeah. Right now, remember now, we are walking with God because chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Uh, chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So here we are in Leviticus 21, verse 1. Did the Lord tell Moses that the house of Levi must not be defiled for the dead among his people? Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. So here's some uh, a high standard for the uh, Levitical priesthood here and the high priest. So once again, there's going to be a, a different standard than the lay people. Uh, could a Levite defile himself for his immediate family? Uh, mother, father, his son, daughter, or brother, Leviticus chapter 21, verses 2 and 3. Yes. For his immediate family, he could defile himself, which is, is of course, it entails mother, father, son, daughter, or brother. Uh, could a Levite make baldness upon his head or shave off the corner of his beard? Leviticus 21, 5. Uh, no, no. No, he, he cannot. He's not entitled to do He cannot do that. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Could a Levite make any cuttings in his flesh? Leviticus 21, verse 5. Uh, no. No. No cuttings uh, in the flesh. Notice the uh, demonic activity in the world today. Uh, cutting of self, uh, destructive behavior, violent behavior, volatile, uh, not good. Uh, moving on here. This is the standard, folks. Leviticus chapter 21, verse 7. Could a Levite marry a whore? <laughs> what a question. No. Definitely, definitely would not work out. Uh, there's a higher standard here, folks. We have Leviticus chapter 21, verse 9. What is the judgment for a priest's daughter who was a whore? Uh, Burnt with fire. It says burnt with fire. That is a judgment, folks. That is serious. Um, So as we have our our daughters, like I have four daughters, you know, I'm going to pray over them purity and and innocence and goodness and and watch over them and and just love on them and have a a father that loves them and and everything. So... uh, it's important that uh, that we uh, keep that in mind. I know Ryan uh, has daughters as well, and I do. Uh, they are definitely uh, definitely different than boys. So we need to give them extra care and love, and just be there for them. Uh, Leviticus chapter twenty one verse eleven: Could the high priest defile himself with the dead body of his mother or his father? Uh, no, the high priest. A distinction the high there priest could not could not defile himself uh, with the dead body that was his mother or his father. Very interesting standard there. Uh, and of course, in Leviticus chapter 21, verse 13, I'm going to have Ryan read that. And it says, and he shall take a wife in her, fill in the blank, virginity. Her virginity. Amen. A, a virgin, uh, not a whore uh, in the priesthood. So very interesting. <clears throat> We're going to look at uh, Leviticus chapter, let's see, let's look at Leviticus chapter 21, verse 17. Ryan's going to read that as well. Um, dealing uh, with blemishes. Yep, yep. So it says, speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of thy seed in their generations that hath any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. 
not to offer the bread of his God. That could entail the meal offering or the meat offering. That's Leviticus 21, verse 17. So uh, Leviticus chapter 21, verse 21. Uh, could a priest with a blemish offer the offering of the Lord made by fire? No, he could not. He cannot. So here are some examples of blemishes found in Leviticus chapter 21, verses 18 and 20. Uh, here's some examples of a blemish once again. Uh, to be blind is a blemish. To be lame is a blemish. A flat nose is a blemish. And of course, a crooked back would be considered a blemish. Of course. Absolutely. So these are blemishes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just, it's interesting, this standard. Once again, you're looking at this like, is this fair? Is this right? You know, God is setting the standard, folks. Once again, He is setting the standard for a reason uh, to show you a distinction, a contrast. Amen. Uh, but, but, you know, between something that's right, not right or whatever, but Leviticus chapter 22, verse 2, we're in 22 now. Did the Lord stress the holiness of the offerings to Moses? Uh, yeah, of course. You know, I got this revelation a few years ago in regards to my life. Every day that I wake up, I'm a living sacrifice, a burnt offering. So everything that we do unto the Lord, you know, I was sharing with the congregation, you know, yesterday I got to change three bulbs uh, in the foyer of the church, and it was just such a great honor to do that for the Lord. And, and just to, to bring my best, we, we say bring in your A game, you know, bring in your A game. And, and just remember this, if you can't run with the big dogs, you have to stay on the porch. Right now, everybody, God is looking, God is looking, right, for someone to run with the big dogs. And that's Beit Tehila. So as we begin to, to look at these offerings and everything, you know, your, your life is an offering and, and a sacrifice. Yeah, I want to read um, this. I want to read this verse real quick. It's uh, chapter 22, verse 2. It's the one here where, where God... Um stresses the, the holiness of the offering. It says, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, and that they profane not my holy name in those things which they hallow unto me. I am the Lord. And so I think, um, you know, the important thing here is when we're speaking of making a distinction between things that are holy and things that are not holy, again, it does not necessarily mean that the things that are not holy are bad. It is just not the things that belong in the presence of God and in the service of God um, through that Levitical priesthood that has been laid out by God. And so, um, you know, I think God gives us the general by speaking in the specific, if that makes sense. And so we can extrapolate concepts out of these things into our own lives that there's good, better, and best. And God is going for the best in all of those situations. That the only things that are going to be in the temple and in the temple service are the things that are best. And so when we look at our lives and we have a choice between good, better, and best, which hopefully we're uh, blessed enough to have that choice, uh, that we're always choosing God's best for us in our life. Absolutely. And once again, a, a priest uh, could not offer up a sacrifice while unclean. Uh, Leviticus 22.3, he could not offer up a sacrifice while unclean. And also uh, in Leviticus chapter 22, verses 4 and 5, uh, the question is, could a priest eat of the holy things while unclean? You can't offer it up and you can't eat it. Look no. at the distinction here, everybody. You know, we live in a dirty world right now, you know, and the three things that get contaminated is skin, clothing, and homes. And we can see this in our culture today, that this is an unclean world and uh, just wanting to make us unclean and disqualify us. And so we have to take that extra step, that extra measure uh, to want to stay clean, amen, and be uh, in the world, but not of the world. Uh, did an unclean priest have to bathe in water and wait until the sun went down before he would be clean again? Leviticus chapter 22, verses 6 and 7. Yes, and this is the general prescription condition, yeah. Yeah, for, for becoming clean, right? You eat an unclean meat. 
you wait till you wash yourself you wait till the evening and you're clean again there's a fresh start because in the hebrew calendar the day starts in the evening and so because the day starts in the evening it's the new day beginning anew beginning fresh like a clean start and as we move forward we're going to be talking about strangers here uh leviticus chapter 22 verse 10 could a stranger eat the portion of food called the holy thing that was given to the priest absolutely not no once again the stranger cannot do this uh, how about this one? In Leviticus chapter 22, verse 12, in regards uh, to the priest's daughter. If the priest's daughter married a stranger, could she eat of an offering of the holy things? No. She good married man. outside the priesthood. Not good, folks. Unequally yoked. That's what comes to my mind. Unequally yoked. In Leviticus chapter 22, verse 14, if a man ate of the holy things unknowingly, how much in addition to what was eaten... Would he have to give back to the priest? This goes along with the general concept of restitution. It's one-fifth or 20% uh, on top of the principal being paid back. Very good. Here's the standard, folks. This is what God is saying. Leviticus chapter 22, verse 20, are almost all of the animal sacrifices offered to be without blemish? Yes, almost, almost all. In Leviticus chapter 22, verse 23, what was the only exception... That yep. it, so they could have a blemish. Yep, the only exception was a free will <clears throat> offering. So a free will offering, this this particular um, animal could have a blemish. Very interesting. Uh, Leviticus chapter 22, verse 25, we're moving along here. Could a stranger bring the priest his offering and the priest offer it to the Lord? Uh, no. No, he's not in covenant. He's no. a stranger. He is not familiar with the ways of Yahweh. That's an interesting thought, because I think everybody assumes that, you know, the, the tabernacle is a place for all the nations to come, right, and bring, but they can't bring a sacrifice and have the priest I, sacrifice it for I think it's it Israel teaching the nations how to do the offerings and bringing this on. Uh, go ahead and read Leviticus chapter 22, verse 29. Leviticus 22, 29. Here we go. It says, And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. Offer it at your own will. And so uh, Leviticus chapter 22, verse 32, who makes the children of Israel holy? Uh, it is the Lord. And it says here, it says, neither shall ye profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord, which hallow you. And hallow meaning make you holy. Um, I think that's that's pretty important to understand that what is it that separates us from anyone else is that we have the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting. I've I've actually heard people say, and I, and I was I was really dumbfounded, but they actually believe they can deliver themselves. You know, I, I have a strong will. I can deliver myself. I can overcome these things oh, yeah. based upon my will. And I was thinking, well, God gave us a free will, but like I said, it goes back. To, it goes back to that question. You know, I'm just looking at it. Who makes the children of Israel holy? Yeah. The Lord. So here's the thing. If the Lord's asking us to do things and we begin to do them, he empowers us by his spirit, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. Uh, even regards to, to, to putting up a new temple and everything uh, in the past with Zerubbabel and all of that, that's where that reference is found. Uh, God's Holy Spirit can do incredible things in our lives and it's lasting it's not like this fat or whatever so so here we are we're going to go into leviticus chapter 23 the appointed festivals you know before we go there to your point one of the things that i think upsets god a lot is when we take credit for things that he's done or created that's true he, he should get the glory amen and so i've know, learned that it's funny i just i was just listening to a, a very well-known uh, motivational speaker talking about you know, people being impressed with who he is, and he's, you know, saying that you could do this too. I made this person, you know, like basically I, I created this, I engineered this. 
And it's a very prideful statement to think that you've taken the creation away from God and that somehow that, you know, the, the Spirit of God is not what helps you or makes you holy or improves you or whatnot. You know, um, he's not going to share his glory with another. No, uh, you know, the first person to have iniquity was Satan, Lucifer, and, uh, and pride. He's the father of, of, of pride. Oh, yeah. Uh, over the prideful children. Now, that's actually in Job. But here we are in Leviticus chapter 23. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. What an awesome chapter. Okay, It's incredible. Listen, I know you love Leviticus. It's holidays. I love Leviticus 23. I'm glad you finally have <laughs> I've won you over. There is a chapter in Leviticus that I personally love. I take people to. I read it. Oh, yeah. 23. Me and you 23. You take all the rest of them, too, like the dietary laws. I like, okay, I like 11, Leviticus too. 11. So I'll take 11 and 23. So once again, here's this word convocations. And once again, these are the Lord's feasts. They're not Jewish. They're not Gentile. They're, they're the Lord's feasts, you know? Wait, whose are they? The Lord's. What? And this word convocations is the Hebrew word mikra, M-I-Q-R-A, which is number 4744 in the Strong's Concordance. It means something called out, public meeting, and rehearsal. You know, we've all celebrated pagan holidays one time or another, and, and the feast days are, are the real deal. So when you give up these pagan holidays, and I'm not going to get into all of that, uh, we get to celebrate the feast days, and that's what's really cool. It means something called out. It means a public meeting. It also means a rehearsal. You know, they so ta- as we they celebrated about, the spring feast, you know, we're moving, we're moving forward. You know, they, they talk about when you, uh, like when they teach a banker, about counterfeit money. They don't show them all the different ways that money can be counterfeit. They teach them the real thing and they make them study the real thing so that when the counterfeit comes, they are able to tell that it's not the real deal because they know exactly what the real deal is. And so I think the Feast of the Lord are just like that. Once you get into the Feast of the Lord, you start getting into the real deal. The counterfeits are very easy to, to spot and point out, and it's very easy to um, to, to notice what those things are and to notice why. You know, and the thing about it is, just like with the feast days, this word proclaim, you shall proclaim. You shall proclaim the feasts. It actually means to publish or put up billboards or, you know, flyers or use the social media, get the word out, you know. And the uh, they're the Lord's feasts. Uh, moving on. Uh, the Sabbath is actually considered a feast in Leviticus 23.3. Uh, and what day does the Sabbath fall on? Leviticus 23.3. On the seventh day. From Friday night to Saturday night is the Shabbat. And once again, the Shabbat was made for man, not man for Shabbat. So there's the Shabbat. There it is for us. We need to enjoy it. You know, an interesting thing. There it is. You know, an interesting uh, thing about, about this is it says here, it says, and we always know about the commandment about the Shabbat. Everybody focuses on the what we're supposed to do on Shabbat. But he, you take this into consideration. It says, six days shall work be done. So in other words... You shall work for six days. You know, God is not lazy. God is not wanting us to sit around. Um, he is planning for us to, to work for six days and then take a day of rest. And I think it's an important Absolutely. So right out of the gate, we have Shabbat. And then we're going to move into, uh, when is the Lord's Passover? Leviticus 23, 5. Uh, the Lord's Passover... Uh, Leviticus 23.5 is, in the 14th day on the first month at evening is the Lord's Passover. And we know in Exodus 12, we're going to start with the new biblical year, uh, and that's what we're going to have. And then, of course, we're going to have, of course, what happens on the 15th day of the same month 
in Leviticus 23.6, what happens the on the Feast day? of Unleavened wow. Bread. Wow. So the very next day after Pesach or Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And how many days are we required to eat unleavened bread? Seven days. Seven days. So now, this is wherein the confusion comes, right? So we have we have a, a day and then we have seven days. Is it seven days total, including Passover? I mean, what what's the answer? I don't know the answer. You know, so. you know the, the thing is, if you look at Passover... You're not going to eat leavened bread on that day. But then we do have the seven days of unleavened bread. So we're just going to put those seven days together and, and not eat leavened bread. Uh, that's that's the way you look at it. Of course, we know that unleavened bread is the 15th, it tells you, and Pesach is the 14th. But for seven days, uh, you're going to eat unleavened bread. Now, may you work on the first day of unleavened bread? Uh, no. No, no, no. May you work on the seventh day of unleavened bread? No. Very interesting. So right out of the gate, here's two days where you're not required to work. Uh, Leviticus chapters 23, verse 7 and 8. Very, very... And once again, we're denying ourselves for seven days. But remember, when we get to Tabernacles, we're going to get to Pate for a week for seven days. And we won't deny ourselves the puffy bread, folks. Uh, Are you to have a holy convocation on the first and seventh day of unleavened bread? We just said yes to that. Uh, And when was the sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest brought to the priest? The day after the Shabbat. The day after the Sabbath. You know, we have to bring up Yeshua in here. And we have to look at this uh, because we have, of course, the first fruits, you know, and and actually Paul goes into uh, this because Yeshua rose on the first day of the week, the day after the Sabbath, he rose again uh, because he was for three days and three nights in the tomb. And this sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest uh, was brought to the priest the day after the Sabbath. And of course, now all of a sudden, look what we're going to do here. We're going to get into the counting of the Omer. Uh, Leviticus chapters 23, verses 15 and 16. Uh, how many Sabbaths are counted after Passover? It's going to be seven Sabbaths. And then Ryan's going to read Leviticus chapter 23, verse 16. This is cool stuff here. So if you're not familiar with counting the Omer, we're going to count the Omer at the end of, of uh, our time together today. It says, uh, but here's the command. It says, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number 50 days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So what we're doing here, just so everybody understands, you know, as we uh, look at the Sabbath, and then we count seven Sabbaths plus one day, the way that we celebrate Pentecost or, or the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost would always fall on a Saturday night. Now, we're not here to tell the Jewish people they're wrong, or this calendar's wrong, or this or that. What we're simply trying to do for our congregation is to keep it simple, keep it the same every year, and so it could be off two or three days uh, in the Jewish calendar, but once again, we're not saying that they're wrong and we're right. What we want to try to do is is to accomplish something. So we will be, of course, celebrating uh, after seven Sabbaths in one day. It'll be a Saturday night that Shavuot will actually kick in. So I'm moving on here. Uh, what is considered the first fruits unto the Lord in Leviticus 23, 17? So it's two uh, wave loaves of two-tenth deals of fine flour baked with leaven. Um, and so, what is it, Mike Cromwell last night was uh, showing a picture, or was it you maybe, talking about how long the, the deal these breads yeah, were? Yeah, from your fingertips to the end of your elbow, they were huge, huge loaves. Yeah, so they're b- big loaves two, of two, lo- two wave of, two loaves, you know. What do you see there? Two houses, Judah, Ephraim, the Jews and the non-Jews, two loaves, two big puffy loaves, Amen. Now, uh, Leviticus chapter 23, uh, verse 21, is this day also considered a day for a holy convocation? It is. And is any work to be done? And no, there's no work to be done no, on this day. No, so there's no work on that day. So we're already past Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Shavuot, and we're moving on here. 
uh, were the corners of the fields for the poor and the stranger, Leviticus 23, 22. They were. So wait, so we're going from holy convocations into giving to the poor. We're actually going into, into the, uh, the, the, fall wheat, the wheat harvest, the yep. wheat harvest here. Got it. We're going to be moving on now because we know Yeshua fulfilled the spring feast. Now we're moving towards the fall feasts. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 24. What feast day has a holy convocation on the first day in the seventh month? Yom Teruah, or also called the Feast of Trumpets. Maybe you'd like to read that. Uh, yeah. Leviticus 23. Uh, I would go ahead and read 24 and 25. All right, here we go. It says, uh, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. What I love about this, this is such a mysterious holy day, a feast day. This is the mysterious one. What is the memorial is the question. Uh, I would say the memorial is remembering the marriage covenant when the trumpet was blown in Exodus 19, I believe 16 of, of 19. Uh, Yahweh blows the trumpet over the children of Israel and marries them. It's called the law of first mention. So the first time the shofar was ever blown was in Exodus 19. And Yahweh, of course, blows the trumpet. We can find references to this as well, even in Zechariah, that Yahweh will blow the trumpet over us once again and gather us from the four corners and all these cool things. And, and right last... now our president is the last Trump. He's the last Trump. That's good. That's good. I thought he was Cyrus, like a type of Cyrus. You know, type So we've shadow. got, uh, this is really good. Now we're going to go into um, the uh, fall feast that have yet to be fulfilled. Uh, may you do work on this day? Absolutely not. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't do work on Yom Teruah. It's also called Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. We're in 5778. We'll be moving towards 5779. Here we go. So, on what day does the Day of Atonement fall? Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27. It's on the 10th day in the 7th month. So you have Yom Teruah on the... I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, You have the Yom Teruah on the first day of the the 7th month, and then you have, uh, 10 days later, the Feast of Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. You know, uh, it's interesting. I was doing an astronomy uh, calendar, uh, and it was 3 BC on the Feast of Trumpets when Revelation 12 is actually was pictured in the heavens. So as you go back and, and look at Revelation 12 and the description of the, the stars and the virgin and Leo and the lion, everything up in there, and even Hydra, the, 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 the snake that's up there in, in astronomy, uh, it's interesting that that was actually 3 BC on the Feast of Trumpets. So a good possibility that Yeshua could have been born 3 BC at Trumpets. <laughs> Looking at this, uh, okay, here it is. This is the Day of Atonement. So uh, is it a holy convocation and a time to afflict your soul? Leviticus twenty three twenty seven. Yes, and by afflict their soul, I believe this is referring to a fast. And, you know, I just want to remind everyone that this particular uh, feast day is in reference to the golden calf incident. Uh, the, 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 the camp was unclean, and the people were unclean. So you have, what, two goats, and we're not going to get into all of that because we just uh, did that uh, in Leviticus 16. But you actually have one called the Azazel, the scapegoat. All the sins of the people were put on that goat and sent out, thrown off a cliff uh, to, to a dry, uninhabited place. And, of course, the other goat was offered up for the for the sanctuary or for the place to be made clean. So, once again, if you think about this, everybody, from my understanding, if you didn't have the golden calf incident, there would be no need for the Day of Atonement. Very interesting. 
corporate forgiveness. And we know even the Yom Kippur War, the, uh, the Jews were victorious. There's references in the Torah that if you keep my feasts, I will watch your back. I will keep your enemies at bay. So this is very good. Uh, work is not to be done on this day. And uh, we're moving right into Leviticus chapter 23, verse 34. On what day does the Feast of Tabernacles start? So Tabernacles begins on the 15th day of Tishri, that seven, same seventh month. So you have Yom Teru on the first day, Yom Kippur on the 10th day, and then on the 15th day you have the beginning of So you have of a little break. So you don't go right into a celebration. Notice that the Day of Atonement is a, a 24-hour fast, yeah. and then it's a few days, and then you go right into Sukkot or Tabernacles. I want to just remind everyone something really cool about the new moon services that we do here and how we celebrate Rosh Kodesh, the new moon. Uh, I want you all to know that um, as far as the lunar calendar goes, uh, at Pesach, it's a full moon. And we are fully redeemed, amen, fully justified by the finished work of the cross. And there's a beautiful, big, big, bright moon. And we know the moon does not give off its own light. It's kind of like us. You know, the Lord is the light of the world. He's the light that shines through us. And so it's bright and it's beaming and it's incredible. But just a little reminder that at the same time as we move forward through the seasons and through the summer season, and as we move into the fall feast, I want to remind all of you that there is a full moon on the first day of Sukkot. So with that, we are fully redeemed, and not only that, but we are fully restored and regathered. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Now, how many days is the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated? Leviticus chapter 23, verse 34. Seven days, baby. Seven is completion. That's right. It's, it's cyclical. Now, is the first day a holy convocation? Uh, yes. Are you to do any work? No. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 23, verse 36, because now we're going to be looking at this eighth great day, and I'm going to have Ryan read that reference. All right, so uh, chapter 23, verse 36 says, uh, Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. This is where we get the water libation. You know, Yeshua was there for it. He came right alongside the water libation ceremony. And, of course, he used it to his advantage, the eighth great day. Just a reminder as well, we'll get into all of it, but there are eight covenants found in the Scriptures. Eight covenants. Uh, the first three are universal. Then we have the unconditional, unconditional covenant with Abraham. But, of course, there are eight covenants found in the Scriptures. So we have this eighth day, which is new beginnings. Uh, new beginnings. Uh, very interesting. We, we, we talk about a day as to the Lord is a thousand years. Thousand years is as one day, so if we have you know six thousand years of this uh, from creation till now, basically um, Yeshua is going to rule the reign for a thousand years, and then we're going to be going into the eighth day. That's exciting. Um, what feast has the Israelites dwelling in booths for seven days? Leviticus twenty three forty two. This is going to be Sukkot. That's right. Remember, a booth is a sukkah, but Sukkot means booths. So Sukkot tabernacles. It's, it's going to be dwelling in temporary booths. Uh, what kind of oil was used to burn in the lamps? We're moving on now towards the menorah, Leviticus 24.2. So we're, we're transitioning from the feast, the feast days, days in 23. Into servicing and we're moving the, into 24. Uh, yeah, table of showbread and, of course, the, uh, the, the, the I guess, the menorah. Right. And so pure, pure olive oil yeah, beaten. Pure olive oil beaten. Uh, were the lamps to burn continually, Leviticus 24.2? Uh, yeah, they, they were, were. They were actually serviced every morning and every evening, twenty four seven. And where do you think they got the fire to light the menorah? 
if it were to go out. So it's from the altar. It would be, have to be from the altar. That's right. Otherwise, it would be what? Strange fire. Strange fire. Which you've mentioned this before, but I think it's an interesting point to, to reiterate that um, you know salvation is all the time. And how do we receive salvation? We receive Yeshua. Yeshua is our sacrifice. Well, the reason that the altar is burning 24-7 is because a sacrifice can be brought before God at any time. And so we are at any time, day or night, doesn't matter the day of the year, able to come to God and receive salvation through the blood of Yeshua. That's it. Very interesting feast days. Now the uh, lampstand, and now we're going to be looking at uh, Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 and 6. How many cakes were put upon the pure table before the Lord? Table of showbread, how many? This is going to be 12. 12 loaves. So we go from the menorah card. to the table of showbread. This is the table of identity. This is the table of fellowship. Come to the table. And then, of course, from there, we would make our way to the altar of incense. Uh, that's another teaching in and of itself. So was the bread exchanged for fresh loaves every Sabbath? Leviticus 24, verse 8 on the table of showbread. Yes, every Sabbath, the loaves were changed. So the, the priest would eat those. Yep. The priest would eat those. And uh, here's here it is, Leviticus yeah. chapter 24, verse 9. Who was to eat the bread from the table? Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons. Remember the situation with David and his mighty men. They had to eat the... The bread uh, that was on the table of showbread, and they were forgiven. They were allowed to eat it and uh, because they had a situation that they needed to eat and get some food, and God allowed that to happen in that situation. Uh, once again, King David is the only king who is a prophet, priest, and a king. Now we're going to get into an isolated incident with, uh, with uh, a situation here with, a, with parents and a child. Uh, uh, in Leviticus chapter 24, verse 10, was there an example given of an Israelite woman who was married to an Egyptian? Uh, yes, there was. So an Israelite woman is married to an Egyptian. And of course, the son did two things that caused him to get into serious trouble. What were they? Uh, Leviticus 24, verse 11, what were they? Uh, the first one was he blasphemed the name of the Lord. And the second one is that he cursed. And this he isn't, like, this isn't saying a bad word. This is cursing in the biblical sense. Yeah, he cursed. You know, just looking back at this, it's interesting that uh, I was sharing with the congregation that I guess Harry Potter is going to Broadway, and I do believe Enjoy. it's actually called uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Now, is this about this particular incident? I mean, think about it. That is so defiant and opposite of what God is doing for us and wanting to bless us. But here it is. Imagine that, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I mean, that's just, that's he just wins the opposite in the end. I mean, he of, wins of in the Torah, end. you know? Now, did the people put him away until they knew the mind of the Lord in Le- Leviticus 24, 12? They did. They did. They put him away so they could hear from the Lord. So here are the instructions. I'm going to let um, Ryan give the verdict here, the bad news in Leviticus 24, 14 in reference to the Lord's reply. Listen, folks, it's not good. Uh, you don't want to be the one that the Lord makes an example out of. And here's what it says. It says, Bring forth him that hath cursed without the camp, and let all that heard him lay their hands upon his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And so what's interesting here that you'll notice is that it's the ones that heard him. If you were an eyewitness to the crime, then you were the one that exacts the punishment under uh, God's system. And so that's why it is very important um, that there's more than one witness, right? You have to have two or three witnesses to these things. Now, here's something interesting. We talked about the stranger early on in this Torah portion that they could not give the sacrifices, they could not eat the sacrifices. But check out this punishment here. Check out this judgment. In Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, could a stranger be stoned if he blasphemed the name of the Lord? Absolutely. Yes. 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 And, and here we go. We go right into Le- Leviticus 24, 17. Does the Lord forbid murder? Yes. 
He does. So when you see one of the commandments, thou shalt not kill, it's not about going into war. It's no, about yeah. murder. Right. Thou shalt not murder. Uh, if a man killed a beast, did he have to make it good? Leviticus 24, 18. Yes, he did. And I'm going to have Ryan read, of course, Leviticus chapter 24, verse 20 in closing uh, in regards to restitution. And this is a famous famous verse, famous concept um, throughout history. It's breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And this is obviously about the concept of restitution. Um, and, you know, always remember that the Torah is for us to apply to our own lives. And I think what happens to people when they read verses like that is they're always trying to apply it to other people's lives and not to their own. I think it's our responsibility that when we cause, it, um, you know, something that needs restitution for somebody that we act upon, uh, that situation, the way the Torah would have us do it by making restitution to those individuals, not necessarily expecting everyone else to be doing that. Um, because remember it's about us and our relationship. Making things God. right. Correct. And so, uh, very quickly, uh, as we finish up today, we're going to count the Omer. I hope you guys are excited. Today is the 24th day of counting the Omer, which is three weeks and three days of the counting of the Omer. That's exciting because tomorrow at sundown, we will be at the middle point of the counting of the Omer. We will have finished 25 Halfway, days, yeah. and we will have 25 more days to go until the counting of the Omer has been completed. And so, this is an exciting time, time of creativity. Uh, a time of, of, uh, of blessings and, and service to the Lord. And remember, we're counting up to excitement, to the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, at Shavuot, and to the uh, giving of the Spirit on that same day, 1,500 years later. And so uh, let's, let's give the blessing. In Hebrew, it is Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kidshenu B'mitzvotav Vitivanu Al Sifarat HaOmer. And in English, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, whose commandments add holiness to our lives and commands us to count the Omer. Praise God. What an awesome and easy commandment to fulfill. Thank you, Lord, for making your Torah so easy for us. We love your Torah. We love you, and we love your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. You guys have a great week.